So I know what we talk a lot about advocating for ourselves on this podcast. So I just wanted to share that one way I was able to simply do so was just by switching my prenatal from a folic acid-based prenatal to a folate prenatal, which helps if you have MTHFR gene mutation. I have no idea if I had that as my doctor was not willing to test me for it, unfortunately, which I have heard from a lot of you guys that that is a commonality. I don't know why, but it is a simple step that we can take on our own. So one that I highly recommend is Fairhaven Health's prenatal, and I will go ahead and link it. It's called the Peapod Prenatal. It is super affordable. It's linked in the description of this episode. And if you use the code LAM, L-A-M, it should give you 10% off. Big thank you for everyone who does use the link as it does help support the Life After Miscarriage show. So let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We have Tracy McCombs on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her journey. And I know she does some pretty awesome stuff for the Life After Miscarriage community as well. So Tracy, I am just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Thanks, Shelly. Yeah, I'll start with um, my husband and I deciding that we were ready to start a family. And I think that's really where most women's uh, story starts. It starts with just that really um, innocent excitement and the anticipation and the hope that every woman has when, you know, she, she makes the decision to, to start trying to have a baby. And so my husband and I started trying to have a, um, a baby back in um, 2014 and we were not worried. I was young and in my 20s, very healthy. Uh, Same with him. He was young and in his 20s and healthy as well. And we just thought, um, you know, we were going about uh, life the right way and that surely, you know, within a couple months we'd be pregnant. And, um, you know, four months went by and I would say I started to get worried about month five, wondering, Maybe if we were doing something wrong, um, I started to get a little impatient and I started to um, get a little bit of anxiety every time I started to see the negative, you know, pregnancy sign. But um, after about eight months of trying and uh, realizing that maybe we really needed to start tracking my ovulation more closely, uh, we finally did get pregnant. And I thought great. Like it, it, it took us eight months, less than a year. And, um, now this, you know, difficult season's over and we were, you know, just so excited, um, to be pregnant. And I still remember, you know, seeing the, the pregnancy test and I was like, oh my gosh, like it really happened. Like there's really a baby growing inside of me. So, uh, we started getting, um, uh, you know, ideas together for how we were going to uh, tell our family. Um, We had a really cute um, baby reveal um, put together uh, around Thanksgiving would have been the safe time um, to share uh, with our parents that we were, we were pregnant. And so we were looking forward to to telling that um, not only to our our family, but to our friends as well. And so um, when we went to uh, my eight-week appointment, um, the the only words that I can come up with was just, just complete shock and devastation. You know, we went into that first ultrasound uh, 
having no idea that there was really even a risk of me uh, miscarrying a baby. And I, I will be very honest, like I was very unaware of how many women do actually miscarry. And when, you know, my doctor shared that information with, with me, I, I was shocked. Um, at the time, I, I just couldn't believe that it, it was something that happened to me. I thought it was, you know, very rare. I didn't even really think it was something that happened to other women. I just didn't think it happened often at all. And so we, we spent that October just, um, trying to process everything. And um, I, I had a friend who um, had a miscarriage and we were talking about our miscarriages and kind of leaning on each other for support about like next steps and like what to do. And it was a really difficult time. Um, I don't know about other women, but me personally, I had a large group of girlfriends who were all trying to get pregnant. And it was almost like a race to see who could get pregnant and have a baby first. And so um, after the miscarriage, it was, it was really painful to see other women um, easily get pregnant um, or easily stay pregnant. And I was very happy for my friends, but at the same time, it made me feel like, wow, like maybe there's something wrong with my body. Um, and it was just a really, a big stab in the heart to my ego and um, just my self-esteem and, and lots of other things too. But um, I'd say after about three months, uh, Adam and I, you know, talked about it. And after my body had a chance to heal um, and just kind of recover from, you know, the pains of, of miscarriage, um, we decided we were ready uh, to try again. So crazy enough, uh, we got pregnant on our first try the second time. And I was, I was very confident that our season of infertility was over. Um, I had researched and, and I had saw that only 2% of women have back-to-back -back miscarriages. And just according to the statistics, it was almost impossible um, for me to have a second miscarriage. And, um, I also had um, looked up some resources from the National Institutes of Health, who is my employer, and I knew that they were, you know, a trusted and reliable source for, you know, biomedical research and information. And when I went searching for, um, you know, just reproductive questions or pregnancy loss, miscarriages, um, all of those things, um, I didn't seem to have um, any of the the red flags that would make me think that I would be a candidate to have, you know, multiple miscarriages. So after we got pregnant the second time, I just remember very clearly, um, I um, hosted a baby shower for my best friend and we had the most amazing time. It was a Saturday and I had made her a diaper cake and I had put together all these Japanese lanterns and we had um, just a great array of pastries and drinks and just had a wonderful time. And I was so excited to celebrate my friend and I was so excited at the same time to know that I was pregnant at that party and that um, I was trying my best to forget about what had happened to me <laughs> the year before, because uh, it is a very traumatic experience to, to lose a pregnancy. So I was very hopeful that I was going to be able to kind of move past this difficult season and into a season of joy. So the next day, 
um, after the baby shower, uh, I woke up uh, with a lot of blood and I immediately knew what was going on. Um, of course, you know, my husband tried to calm me down and, and um, tell me to be patient and calm and, and we went to the emergency room. But, you know, deep in my heart, uh, I just knew, and, and I, I know there's got to be women uh, who are listening to this podcast who know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm sure there's women who have experienced three, four, five miscarriages. And it's just, you're, you just know your body. And I just knew my body had gotten rid of the fetus um, because my feet were no longer swollen. My chest was no longer swollen. Um, I wasn't heavy of breath anymore. And there were just so many signs. And um, so even though I was trying to be hopeful um, at the emergency room when the doctor came back and verified that I had had my second miscarriage, um, it, was, it was very difficult. So with the first miscarriage, it was just utter shock, disbelief, and, and just a lot of um, fresh, fresh grief. With the second miscarriage, it was much different. It was fear. It was, um, I would even say depression. It was anxiety and anger. I had a lot of anger after my second miscarriage. Um, I had a lot of questions that were unanswered. You know, why, why was I having miscarriages? Why was I losing you know, the, these pregnancies and, um, was I doing something wrong? Is there something wrong with my body? Is there something, um, you know, just, just wrong with me in general? And, and I think that's a really heavy question for a woman to carry around. So, um, after my second miscarriage, um, we talked with my doctor and, you know, they assured us that only 1% of women have, uh, three uh, pregnancy losses in a row, which would be, you know, defined as repeat pregnancy loss. And I looked at my doctor straight in the eye and said, I cannot wait for testing and just pretend that a third miscarriage would not break me. And I said, I cannot go through another miscarriage. I said, this is, this is extremely traumatic for me and my husband. Um, I said, as far as work goes, I, I've taken a lot of time off of work and had to work from home because of the, the healing process and the mental and physical part of it. And I, I begged my doctor to please just treat me as um, a patient who had repeat pregnancy loss and do all the testing that would typically, uh, typically take place after three uh, miscarriages. And she was great. I loved my doctor. And she did what I asked. And so we started with um, a, a multiple tests and some blood work. And so um, I did um, an HSG and they made sure that I didn't have a heart-shaped uterus. They made sure there was um, no scar tissue in my uterus from the previous miscarriages. Um, they did, I believe they did a sonogram. There was quite a few things they did and then they did blood work. And so a couple weeks after my second miscarriage, uh, my doctor called me and it was a quick call. You know, I had only had the blood work a few days earlier. So I immediately answered the phone um, thinking that, you know, a phone call so, so quick might mean that they found something. And sure enough, they, they had. 
And to my surprise and my husband's surprise, to all of our surprise, I had a, I have a, a genetic disorder and it's called balanced Robertsonian translocation. And, you know, I was scribbling it down. I, I was like, is it Roberts or is it Robert? I was like, how do you spell this? I was like, I need to do my research. I've never heard of this before. And basically uh, what I learned through genetic counseling, which is my doctor recommended I, I go to after they discovered this, this genetic disorder is um, it's a chromosome rearrangement. And most people who have a balanced translocation don't even know they have it. They could live a happy, healthy, normal life and, and never know. Um, most people discover they have a balanced translocation when they start trying to have a baby. And um, miscarriage um, uh, percentage, the, um, your likelihood of miscarriage with these different balanced translocations increases and it just depends on you know what which one you have so for example i have um a, a long arm of my chromosome 13 and a long arm of my chromosome 14 they're attached and so when my 23 chromosomes are trying to connect with my husband's 23 chromosomes you know when we're trying to have a baby they do not always match up properly and when the body recognizes that there is a chromosome issue um, with the fetus being developed, a lot of times the body will recognize that and have a miscarriage. And so doctors um, believe that both of my miscarriages were due to my balanced translocation. Um, so I was deemed a high-risk pregnancy after that. Um, I was told that I have with my specific combination about a 26 to 32 percent chance of having uh, a miscarriage and then an even higher percent chance of um, passing my genetic just disorder down to my children and so after that you know meeting with the genetic counselor oh my gosh I just thought I hit rock bottom I was like what is wrong with my body like really like uh, so you know it was just a, a a really emotional time. Um, I was just shocked because um, I didn't know who I got it from. I didn't know if I got it from my dad. Um, I was very, very confused. And then the the icing on the cake was when the genetic dis, uh, counselor came back and told me that I have another disorder, which is a blood clotting disorder called Factor V Leiden. And um, it's just an is it's just an increase of getting blood clots, especially when you're pregnant. Uh, doctors need to know about it so that you can be on blood thinners. And um, the genetic, you know, counselor also mentioned that the combination of my my balanced translocation and my blood clotting disorder made me even more high risk for uh, miscarriage. So my husband and I kind of took a pause and wanted to like figure out like what the safest way would be for us to try to expand our family. And it was just a really hard time. Um, we, we started to research IVF with uh, pre-implantation uh, pre genetic diagnosis. And we started to research all these things. And we decided that um, the pre-implantation sounded really interesting. Uh, and I didn't even think that I was a candidate for IVF because I wasn't having a problem getting pregnant. I, I assumed IVF 
or in vitro fertilization was for women who just couldn't get pregnant. And even though I was experiencing infertility, I was experiencing it because I couldn't carry a baby full term. And when I realized that the pre uh, uh, implantation um, genetic um, uh, screening is basically when um, they uh, check the embryo for chromosome abnormalities and the ones that don't, they, they put back. So it's, it's exactly like IVF, except there's one added step where they check, they check it for genetic um, mutations. And so I thought that was a great um, path for my husband and I to take. Um, before we uh, looked into those courses and before we could start treatments for that, um, I was diagnosed with bladder cancer. So I tell you what, that year, good gracious, it was just one thing after another. So, you know, I had my first miscarriage in October. I had my second miscarriage in March. I had the genetic disorder and blood clotting disorder diagnosis in April. And then I had the bladder cancer diagnosis in May. So that's when I hit rock bottom. <laughs> that's when I decided, you know what, I cannot take this anymore. Surely um, I cannot be the only woman who just is completely depressed, completely just so sad about what's going on. And and, and having a hard time saying like, why me? Like, why, why me? Like, why, why is all of this happening to me? Can't like one woman take one of these things? <laughs> and it was just a really tough time. And I will say when I hit rock bottom, like that's when, like I realized that I was not going to make it if I did not have like a transformation in my mind because I was so focused on all the negative things that were happening to me. And I was so focused on the pain and the grief and the anxiety and the depression that I had to let it go. And I had to get outside myself and think about other people and think about what my future could be like and hope for a good future and believe that there were better things around the corner. And I will say, like the mental shift during that time really helped me appreciate all the things that I did have in my life at that time that I was overlooking because of my infertility. And the first thing that I realized was how fortunate I was to have all the medical professionals just 100% devoted to my health and my safety and also my ability to be able to reproduce. And I was just blown away by my urologist who did a fabulous job removing my tumor and did a fabulous job with the chemotherapy and my recovery from that. Um, I was so thankful for the doctors who um, identified that I was a high-risk pregnancy and did all the things um, to help prepare me to have the best chances at having a successful pregnancy moving forward after all the information was collected. You know, I was so thankful for friends and family who were lifting me up and supporting me and encouraging me through such a difficult time. And so just that mind shift really, really helped me say, you know what, like, yes, miscarriage is so hard. And yes, like cancer is awful and nobody ever expects to have cancer, but you know, I'm gonna fight this and I'm gonna be okay. And I'm gonna get through this um, because I don't want this to define me. 
And so after I had my um, cancer removed, um, I went into um, recovery. And then once I was recovered, my husband and I attended our first um, class of IVF um, uh, pre-implantation genetic uh, diagnosis. And after that class, I was convinced like, yes, like IVF is what we need to do. Uh, and they had a, a lineup of treatments to start that July. Well, we had about a month to kind of just talk about if we really wanted to go forward with it. You know, IVF is for any woman, you know, who's gone through IVF, it's just a really labor intensive process. Like you've got to know your calendar, you've got to know these shots, you've got to know like all these steps and cycles and things that are going, going on. And it, it can get really, really, um, confusing. And it also can just like overwhelm you, right? It's like the only thing you can think about. And the month before we were to start our IVF treatments, you know, my, my husband and I sat down and we were like, you know, what if we try to get pregnant naturally just one more time? Like, what are the risks? Like, are we ready to do this? Do we trust God with this? Um, or are we trying to, you know, control, you know, our future without even asking him, you know, what we should do? And so we took a step back and we decided that we did want to try to have a baby naturally one more time. We understood the risks. We understood that I was like a high-risk pregnancy. We understood that um, I had about a 30% chance, if not more, of having a miscarriage. And we also understood that I was high risk of having a trisomy 13 baby, which is a baby with um, a very severe genetic disorder that um, usually does not make it past its first birthday uh, once it's born. So yes, those were very difficult questions that we were answering. Um, we had to you know, weigh the pros and cons and we just wanted to try naturally one more time. That was the decision that my husband and I made. That's the decision we felt was right for our family. Um, I know my genetics counselor was very shocked when, when I told her that, but um, you know, sometimes you have to look past the statistics and sometimes you have to look past the data and, and look into your heart and say, okay, what, what is best for me and my family? And so that's what we did. And so we tried naturally one more time and sure enough, we got pregnant on our first time uh, after my second miscarriage and after um, my cancer was removed. And I was very scared. And I, I'm not going to lie, I was very scared. I was very nervous. I was um, very um, uh, scared because the IVF July um, cycle was the final cycle that we were going to be able to, to utilize because my husband uh, was going to be deploying that January and we were moving as well because we're a military family. And so basically my lifeline was gone. Either this pregnancy was going to work or it was going to be a very, very long time until Adam and I could, you know, try to start having a family again. And um, so on, for, uh, on the 4th of July, um, we, we, um, we tried again, or we tried that summer and I believe it was around July 4th or a little after when we found out we were pregnant, it was like three days before I was supposed to start my IVF treatments. And it was like three days before I was signing all the paperwork to, to fork up $10,000 to do these treatments. And um, I, yeah, I was scared. But, you know, uh, in August, um, 
late August, I um, went to my first uh, doctor's appointment and my husband was with me. I, I just remember I was so sweaty and I was shaking in, in, in that room, just like, just so hopeful that I would finally, finally hear that heartbeat. And um, it was a male doctor, I'll never forget. And we were at a military hospital, so he wasn't even in scrubs or anything. He was in his military uniform. He came in and he looked at my chart and he was like, oh, he was like, wow, okay, well, let's look. And he, he wasted no time because he knew with just my history that I didn't want to beat around the bush. I just wanted to know. And there was a heartbeat. And I just, I couldn't believe it. And I was just so thankful. And yeah, so that my uh, third pregnancy was a success. And I carried a baby full term without a genetic disorder, um, without any disorder. And I have a beautiful uh, daughter who is is turning five in uh, 18 days. And she is just the light of my life. And, and I'm just so thankful that I have her. And um, it was just such an amazing uh, experience to, to be able to hold her in my arms and just be so thankful that, um, you know, nine months earlier, my husband and I decided to just try one more time. And after that experience, um, you know, my husband deployed and then he came back and we decided that we wanted a second child. And our son was just the easiest pregnancy birth story you'll ever hear. You know, we were, you know, just bracing for another, you know, three years or four years of, of struggles, maybe even having to do IVF. And we were just bracing for the worst. And we got pregnant on our first time and, and Micah came around and he was just this beautiful, rambunctious little boy and we didn't have any problems. And so things just got better and better. Uh, as time went on. And, and I am also really thankful to say that today I have been uh, cancer-free for, for five years. So um, that's, that's my story. And I really hope if you are experiencing miscarriage due to a genetic disorder, or if you're experiencing repeat pregnancy loss, or if you're continuing to have multiple miscarriages and they cannot figure out what is going on, I just want to encourage you to just try to get out of the current situation, remove yourself from like the pain and the grief and the despair and the depression of the current situation and try to focus on, you know, what, what can I hold on to um, that is positive? What can I, you know, trust in that, that, that will get me through this and, um, I think that'll help you kind of take one step forward each and every day because, you know, every month it gets harder and harder, uh, especially if you, if you don't have any children, I know what it's like to, to long for children and just not have any. So I just want to encourage anyone listening to this, that, you know, keep the faith, keep, keep, keep on trying and you'll know in your heart what, what you should, you, you, you should do, what is best for you and your family. Absolutely. Now I know like with your journey, it's kind of shifted into you being super open and helping the community in certain ways. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So at first I was not open at all. Um, I did not share, um, I did not share what was going on with me. Um, it was a very, very tight knit group that knew about 
my genetic disorder, knew about um, my miscarriages, and I realized that um, for me personally, it wasn't healthy. I I was not healing by hiding my pain, um, and so I started journaling and I wrote down um, how I was feeling. I, I wrote down uh, memory verses and I wrote down things that I was hoping for. Uh, I wrote down prayers and just writing through my grief was so restorative. And I really think writing just helped me so much just heal and process my feelings. Um, I think it can be very difficult um, when you're going through miscarriage to really understand like what it is you need uh, because it's there's just so many emotions you know coming to the surface and when you take the time to write it down and really think about it yes it's painful and yes it's hard to like stare you know at yourself in the mirror and and, and look look at yourself through an honest lens but then it allows you to, to heal and and I really feel like I started healing through my journaling and then once I started journaling then I was able to start opening up more honestly with friends and family because once I started being honest with myself then I could start being honest with others and it was so freeing and it was just um, like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders when I started sharing my story with people and you know I'm I'm kind of an extrovert I'd say and and that might not be um, the the coping mechanism or the way you heal um, just sharing your story with everyone but if you share it with you know those you you trust those you love and it's in a small circle and a safe circle that is just just as you know helpful and beneficial as if you were to you know share it on a podcast or um, share it on a blog or, or something like that. So I think first is just, you know, being honest with yourself. But yes, um, I do share my story now. I've shared my story with a few small groups, very intimate settings. I'm just being very vulnerable, open and honest so that other women would feel comfortable, you know, sharing their experience or asking their, you know, questions as well. Awesome. I just, you're a great speaker. So you should... <laughs> I feel like you should be doing this for a living and like going around and sharing your story because honestly, this was like so educational for me. Thank you. Yeah. You know, a lot of women um, who go through miscarriage um, end up having a, a trans, like a balanced translocation, like a genetic disorder. It's, it's, it's not that common, but you know, one in every thousand women have what I have. And so when you multiply that by millions of women, that's a lot of women. Yeah. And I think it's just, um, when you see the one in 1000, you're like, oh my gosh, like, why is this happening to me? But there are millions of women who are having miscarriages because they have a genetic disorder. And, uh, I just want to, you know, encourage anyone who has a balanced translocation who's listening to this podcast number one yes you can have a healthy baby without IVF and yes if you are more comfortable using IVF to make sure you don't you know pass your 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 translocation down to your 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 um, children that's okay too but there there are options out there and it's not um it's not a doom diagnosis. Like if you hear the word balanced translocation, yes, and it's it's not fun, but it doesn't mean you you can't have a baby. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, Tracy, where could they do so? 
Yeah, so um, they can reach out to me on my website. Um, it's Tracy McCombs. Um, and if they're interested, um, they could probably find me by searching for My Miscarriage, which is um, my book that's coming out next month, and on Instagram. And I, my, the spelling of my name is really weird. It's Tracy with an I, but I'm sure if you just type in my miscarriage and Tracy, you'll, you'll find me somewhere. <laughs> so. Awesome. And I will link your Instagram in the description of this episode as well um, oh, okay. for people to find you. And then I believe you have like your website and stuff in your bio of your Instagram too. So yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to answer any questions technical questions um, about, you know, blood clotting disorders or genetic disorders. I've, I've been through it all. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tracy. I appreciate it. And like I said, this was a super educational episode for me. So it was really cool. Thank you, Shelly. I really appreciate you allowing me to come onto your podcast. Um, I think Life After Miscarriage is wonderful and a great resource that, that really helps a lot of women. Thanks. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to share your life after miscarriage story, go to ShellyMetling.com, click on the life after miscarriage tab and add yourself right to the recording schedule. And I can't wait to chat with you soon. Next one.